We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius, no mic today. And we're recording this with all but one game completed. We got the Phoenix Pelicans game in a close one at halftime. But uh, we had a very entertaining weekend of basketball. The games three and four, to me, always have their own personality to a series now you're going into those either in a tied series or someone's up to nothing and then that game three has its own personality depending on that right the team that's down to zero uh that's do or die time right no teams ever come back isn't that a crazy stat you'd think that at some point in nba history someone would have come back from 3-0 but it's never happened and that team is usually uh playing that game at home and they know that if if they don't win that game, they're in deep trouble. There was a game, uh, Atlanta and Miami was a ga- that game three. Miami went up double digits and Atlanta just played desperately and hit some great shots. The same fortune didn't hit them in game four where Miami really took a stranglehold of the series. And that's kind of where I see us ending this weekend is the teams who were clearly better than their opponent. I think that we came out of this weekend with a clear idea of who that is. And then the teams that are quite close to each other, I think we know that by now too. You've seen many game threes and game fours, and that's where a lot of this first round of the playoffs are right now. What are your thoughts on those types of games? And what are the game threes and fours that stood out to you this weekend? These are my favorite games of any playoff series. Interesting. I find them to be the most entertaining. When you get to games, the middle games, game sevens are often like clunky, and teams are sort of both feeling the pressure and there's definitely a time where that just shines through and and it takes over as the main story of the game rather than the quality of the teams and i feel like game sixes are often that real separator game where the team that's better often shows it the most in game six if they have the chance to win Right. So there's that desperation feeling. But a lot of times game sixes can be great if you're the team 
and if you're a fan of the team that ends up doing the winning because those are the games where you feel like ah yes like we pulled that out in a very crucial way but games three and game four where if you are down 2-0 that desperation feeling and the ability of the team who is then up to match that And because if they really are of better quality, they will hang in at certain points where you feel like, oh, okay, these dudes are trading in the middle of the ring. It's that sort sort of game. And a lot of times the team that has the desperation can then channel that for one last push at the end or make just enough plays where it's like, ah, okay, we hung on there and then in game fours that's the okay it's it's actually time to either exert our control or hey we're suddenly all of the way back in it now right and it's those turning point games where then if you do go back to two that game five it is just like the potential to be just an awesome game, right? But games three and games four to me are where a series can turn and really take shape. And and you get a feeling of where you really know what both teams are about. And so in that respect, the series that stood out most to me around that were actually the Philly-Toronto series in its own way, because... I thought Toronto, if they could have won that game three, they could have done some convincing of themselves that like they had it right. And like that they could have then gotten it back to two, two. And then at two, two sort of anything can happen. Right? right. It's just like, okay, well one bad maxi game and Harden sort of playing at the level that he's been played at. And even if you get a great Embiid game, it's just like, okay, well we haven't gotten the good Van Vliet game yet. We haven't right. Like there are things that Toronto can feel like, Hey, if we just get a couple things going, like we're, we, we can suddenly be up three, two. And now all of the pressure is on those those guys again. But Embiid hitting that game winner in the manner that that he did sort of like ended that series. So even though Toronto won game four, this feels much more like a gentleman's sweep now to me than than anything else. And and then the other game to me was Boston and Brooklyn, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like Boston showed how much better they are than Brooklyn and I before the playoffs started I had still sort of reserved something for Brooklyn as them having a path to do something and and Boston shut off their water in a way that I don't want to say it surprised me but because Boston's been so good but it did sort of crystallized things for me and you had said some things in the group chat about Brooklyn and their faults sort of really aligning with like what the Lakers faults have been this season and and I thought that those were interesting points so go in any direction that you want but within the context of that I do want you to to hit on that point a little bit because I do think it was interesting yeah let's talk about Brooklyn for a bit because I suspect that uh they won't be in the forefront of the NBA conversation for might be our last chance might be our last We will be able to talk about Boston again. I am sure of it. I will make sure of that. Lord knows, right? So uh, Brooklyn, 
yeah, they remind me so much of us, that East Coast version of us. They're another three-star build. They were at the beginning of the season. They traded one of those stars, but for another player who's a star, right, at least in theory, but did not play in any games this year. And that's something that, that to me is the story of the Brooklyn season. The way they got there is a little bit differently than us, but they never really built anything any, they, they never really built anything either. They used more starting lineups than we did. They actually led the league in that stat. Isn't that incredible? Our 41 different starting lineups was not the most. Brooklyn, I think, had 43. And within that, we were talking about this last week about the third, the separate entity of the team that gets built through the repetition and the games, through the 82 games. I One point that Mike always likes to make is like, look, you can do the load management stuff and you can take it easy and gear up for the playoffs and all that. But if you look at the teams that actually win, that actually go deep into the playoffs, that, that win titles, that contend for titles, they usually had a pretty good regular season, right? Like they, they built something over the course of that. And some of the exceptions can be a defending champ that may be a little bit tough. So Milwaukee is a team uh, for, uh, for which I go, hmm, like, do they have more in reserve? And then we've had a lot of attrition this weekend, Chris Middleton being one of the players that's out. Um, but you have to have built some, like you have to play together. It, it's it's such a simple concept, but you have to play together as a basketball team to be good as a basketball team. And they're I, like – it's one of those things where you make your own luck and the Lakers fit this description too, where like, yes, you got hit by some injuries and things like that, but there was, they very much have a, we're going to roll the ball out there. And by the force of will of these two incredible shot makers and, and scorers that it doesn't really matter what you're going to do, but I liken it D to a football team that and this series between Boston and Brooklyn is like Boston's a team that's great in the trenches that has a great offensive line, a great defensive line and their defensive line, right? It is going up against a team that has a star quarterback and a star running back or a star receiver, right? But their offensive line and their defensive line, not, not so hot. And so that star quarterback, maybe he's one of the best quarterbacks in the game, but he's running for his life every possession because the defensive line of the other team is putting so much pressure on him. And that, you know, those games generally go in favor of the team that has such an advantage in the trenches. And so that's another commonality they had with the Lakers. This was something, D, that in our text thread, you commented about Brooklyn not playing with any force. So let's take a break. And when we come back, I'd love to hear your thoughts on their style of play, because I think it's informative on the Lakers season that we just had, but also how we should be building the team going forward. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, I look at the Brooklyn team and the similarities with the Lakers in terms of the small guards and how much they depend on small guards is really right there, especially guards who don't necessarily play a lot of defense. So you mentioned earlier that we're at halftime. We started recording right at halftime of the Suns Pelican series. And Jose Alvarado is a small guard, but that dude doesn't play small. No. Right. He is up in dudes. Like he is battling for every inch of the hardwood, every possession. Well, I think that's one of the lessons. Like, if you're going to be small, you have to be a competitive maniac, like a Chris Paul, a Jose Alvarado, right? And we're still in the first round. If if the Pelicans were to advance, I think we'd see a round, be it the second round or however far they got, where maybe Jose Alvarado, like there's only so much competitiveness yeah. can get you, right? Like at some point you're still six feet tall. And yes. so, but just to survive in, in this landscape, I think you need to be that kind of guy. Yeah, and so- Needless to say, the Nets don't have a lot of those guys. The closest version of that is maybe Bruce Brown. And they're relying on Bruce Brown a lot. He is starting now. And he was very good. He's been good. And he's been one of their best players in terms of like two-way play, right? Um, But I look at the Nets and this is where, in the same way that the Lakers, so it's funny, because in the same way that the Lakers said, we're going to be a power team right we're gonna have a lot of ball handling and so the idea was like oh well we've got enough shooting but really they didn't within the context of the players who needed to be able to shoot well like Mm -hmm. you know they really we talked about ad and him not being able to shoot very well like that was a critical part of really the build that this lakers team was supposed to be so the fact that ad didn't play at all that that sucked in general but even if he would have played a lot he would have needed to at some point found his jumper or else there would have been other problems to deal with, right? But the idea around the Lakers was like, okay, yeah, well, if the Lakers throw out a lineup that has Russell Westbrook and Taylor Horton Tucker and LeBron James and Anthony Davis, the idea was, okay, sure, that team can't shoot, but go feel free in trying to stop them from getting into the paint, right? They're going to they're still going to get there because all of their strengths are that they get there regardless. Almost all of those dudes regardless of what the defense has looked like have been able to get into to the paint. And so Brooklyn has a very similar build in terms of like, okay, well we've got we've got these 
these players, we've got a three-star build, right? But without one of the stars a bunch of times, we've got these small guards. But instead of it, them having power players, rim-seeking players, they have skill players. And so Boston is coming at them with a battle of like, okay, let's get in the phone booth. Every possession, we're going to be in the phone booth. And let's see if you can fight your way out of this close range physical attack. And boss is like, but, or, and the Nets are like, but we're skill guys, right? So let's dance a little bit. Let me shake you. Let me try to create space and shoot over the top of you. And it's not working, Pete. It's just not working. Like, and they're not bringing enough force and physicality. The Nets aren't. And I don't think it's in their nature. Darius, the post entries to Durant in the high post, we were talking about this. So, you talk about having a skill advantage. For one, they've sat on KD's left-hand dribble and they've hounded his ball handling. So that's part of like being a skill player does not just mean the ability to make jump shots in a variety of different styles of jump shots. You need to be able to handle the ball. You need to be able to pass, but you also need to be able to, it's not skill, but it's technique. So if you're battling for post position do you what talk to me about what's happening in that dance we talked last week about the dance between DeRozan and Giannis the dance between KD and Tatum in establishing post position KD is not sealing his man he's not he's he's not getting his and and when you're at a weight disadvantage because Tatum's stronger than KD is and if you're at a weight disadvantage that's all the more reason that you have to use the proper technique like if you don't have a physical superiority that you absolutely have to get down in a, in a stance get that that chicken wing up right and and KD wasn't hasn't done any of that and not to mention the post entry passes and so like KD and Kyrie may be skill players but you need a certain degree of physicality to be able to impose yeah. because all of Brooklyn's gravity is on the perimeter. And so a team like Boston is just going to push up on them on the perimeter. And how often have you seen KD go into the basket in this series? That's how you beat pressure. If someone's pressing up on you, you don't back up. You don't just settle for the jumper. You attack them. And so the Nets inability to do that and the inability to just do basic basketball stuff like the post seal has been really striking in this series. Yeah, I just think that your point about technique is so good because Tatum going hand to hand, even if you argue that KD is close to or as strong as Tatum, Tatum has leverage advantages just by being shorter, right? So KD is so great because he's so long, he's so tall, he can shoot over the top of you. But it's like a boxing match, right? Like they always tell the smaller guy, well, get inside. Right. Like, don't fight at at a distance. That dude's just going to kill you with his jab. He's going to keep you at bay. And then he's going to throw the overhand at length. And he's just going to pummel you that way. No, you have to get inside when you're the smaller dude. And so Tatum is wrecking shop against Durant by just basically saying, look, beat me then beat me off of the dribble. And his technique is fantastic, right? Yes. Like he's the, of of all of his skills, his motor is really high up there, especially for a a star player, right? Like a primary lead well, guy. Well, he, his well, and he's so he's young. always in a sure he is he is, but not every young guy like he likes the parts of the game that like I'm going to play ball denial on this baseline inbounds play, right? It, like he there's a, a a simple play in the game that he just knocked it out of bounds. Brooklyn got the ball back, but if he doesn't 
do his job right there, it's a layup because it, like he was helping out on someone else who who had yeah. got lost. But those are the things that, that win that give you a, a two points here or prevent the other team from a two points there that Tatum for KD not doing the technique technique stuff correctly. Tatum is almost always in the correct stance and doing the correct thing. And that that in and of itself has its own kind of force that like the guy you're going against is going to do the right thing every single time. Like that has its own way of wearing on a team, I think. Yeah. And especially when you know that you're outgunned, you like, so I'd love to see Simmons in this series just to see if his particular skill set could make an impact. And, and so I think that it's fair to question that it would. And I think it's fair to doubt that, that it would, but I look at I look at the net and I see I see a team without a connecting player. Yeah. I see a team that has not enough size on the wing and not enough downhill physicality and and not enough guys who actually want to pass in the middle parts of a possession, right? And so when you talk about those exact skill sets, that player is getting fits off in the tunnel every game. <laughs> and then he's sitting on the bench, right? What a strange and, season. And, and and so I get that it's easy to doubt Ben Simmons as an impactful playoff performer. Like we've seen him struggle in these environments, but I'd be very interested to see what he looks like on this specific team because the asks of him would be so different and We've never seen those asks put on him. And so that's not me saying that he'd perform them. It's me wondering what it would look like with those asks. That's all I'm saying. I think that's where that's kind of the story of the net season. Very similar to us, right? Like that. What would it have looked like? If, but you got to play together. You got to be able to yeah. go through the 82 or if it's a midseason trade, that post trade deadline, like you get a good 20, 25 game run in. Cause if not, if you think you're going to roll the ball out there and go against a team that has been doing that, that has fought through there, okay, this doesn't work, but what if we did this? Aha, okay, that works. We're going to hold on to that. Those are like that team is just so much further along, D, that it, it makes a huge difference. I totally agree. And so let's go to break here because on the other side of this, the injury bug has started to pick up again and yeah. it's having the potential to really impact these series. And so I want to use that as a lens to sort of project out for how some of these series are going to conclude and then start to look at the second round. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com So, Pete, Chris Middleton, sprained knee, Devin Booker, strained hamstring. Kyle Lowry, strained hamstring. Embiid with a thumb. He's going to play Embiid through it. Embiid with a thumb, right? And he didn't play as well in game four. Nope. Now, now they're up 3-0 and there's reasons that go into like what kind of effort the team has. And 
And that idea of like, oh, we're not going to get swept on our home court sort of performance that Toronto had. But injuries now are starting to give us a little bit of like, okay, what are things really going to look like? And so talk to me about a couple of the teams that aren't dealing with injuries, Golden State, and then what you think of the teams that are dealing with injuries and how they look to be handling those. Yeah, no, I that's something that, I don't know if it just feels like it's been more. I know last season was a, a real outlier in terms of, you know, uh, all-star caliber players being out, but that, you know, several players, four or five guys over the last week, uh, big parts of their teams, uh, have gone out. So it certainly seems like it's happening more than ever before. And that's, that's going to be part of it. If that's going to be part of it, that's going to be part of it. And so the team that uh, I thought handled it the best is, I think the team that's, equipped to handle it the best, which I thought was Miami. I thought they had an excellent weekend in Atlanta. They had, um, you know, Atlanta had that desperation comeback in a game three. And then uh, game four, Gabe Vincent started in his place. And Vincent's one of those guys that is going to be this unheralded role player that, you know, doesn't get a, a lot of attention, but a guy who can defend and knock down spot up threes and, and just kind of hold it down with a level of physicality. Those are the guards, D, that I see really thriving and I, I when everybody's moved on to the second round i want to do a thing of like okay which teams had small guards in the first round and which teams did not like which the teams that moved on how many small guards did they have the teams that got eliminated how many did they have i think we're going to see a, a pretty big difference between the first and second round um and then milwaukee i thought milwaukee really uh turned the screws on chicago this weekend they're a team D Middleton. We talked a little bit about him that he hasn't looked good. And this is something where like, I don't know enough about it to maybe well, he's, he, he's, he's played so much. That's like what he, I'm saying though. He that's went to why the, I, like he went to the Olympics and his run. I don't want to call it an outlier, but he was out of all of the players in the playoffs that you felt like were ascending and sort of showing their worth. I thought Middleton, who's always been a wonderful player, played furthest above the level that he had shown to really be like, oh, my God, Chris Middleton, the shot making that he's executing in their run to to the championship was just otherworldly, really. And so. That combination of a little bit of coming back to earth and the fact that he didn't get an off season, he just didn't like he went to the Olympics. No, ab absolutely. And th that's why I've had this skepticism. And that is a really dangerous place for a team and a coach to be in, because if if I don't know if this is the case, but if you have a player whose legs are kind of done because you very, very well may be describing a player who's just played a little too much basketball in a certain period of time that doesn't have his legs, but he's Chris Middleton. He just helped you win an NBA yeah. title. What are you going to bench him? Like what? And, and so you have to play at like, that's one of your guys. And so I've been really impressed by how Grayson Allen has stepped into that role. Uh, they have started Bobby Portis and that's something that if you look forward to the second round that's going to be a great series boston milwaukee and boston has very much been a team that's plowing through teams you're not going to be able to plow through milwaukee they may beat them right and i think that middleton being out will matter but 
they're going to have to do it in a different way, probably with more speed and athleticism than physicality. You're not going to bully a Milwaukee team with a front line of Bobby Portis, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. And so um, those teams are, I think, the teams that have handled it better than, say, a Phoenix team. And again, the game is on right now. And uh, But Phoenix is having a little bit of difficulties with New Orleans in part because New Orleans is a big physical Massive. team, man. Massive and and team. so like, I hate to keep, keep hitting this note over and over and over again, but the point to me of us really zeroing in on these playoffs is to bring it back to the Lakers. And I'm seeing all these teams that remind me of like, ah, oh, I remember when we were like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. And, and so there's a certain, I think we need to return to that, that I f- am feeling that is I like, there's good that we can take from, what we've tried, but watching these playoffs, just that strength and physicality and force, I'm seeing it over and over and over again, even in that ability to handle the injuries that pop up. Yeah. And I think too, that there's, it's, it's combined with players who are mostly in their prime. Right. And so when you talk about Phoenix, not doing this well, like, I mean, yeah, they lost their best player. Right. And, And so Chris Paul is their second best or one a in all ways right and and so chris paul is is vital to everything that that the suns do and you couldn't replace chris paul either right now you could work around it in certain ways if you had booker because booker is so good right and so the suns are still an excellent basketball team but they are not the team they that was be. 10 games better than everyone right. else in the entire damn league because they just lost their best player. We right. all three of you, me and Mike had Booker as a first team all NBA player. Well, guess what? You lose one of those dudes. You're in trouble when the yeah. playoffs come. The fact that they are hanging tight, even against an eighth seed who was really a 10th seed. Right They're They're like, oh, OK, well, well, yeah, you expect them to be able to hang hang tight. But. New Orleans is an interesting group, but I want to go back to the Eastern teams that that you mentioned because Miami, like, so Oladipo, he didn't, he hasn't really played these mm-hmm. these playoffs and hasn't played much at all these well this series, um, and he didn't pop to me in any way at all. I I, I think he was three for ten or something like that when you look at the box score. But you also look at his plus minus and he was like plus a billion this game, like almost plus 40, I think. Like, I don't know what what the number actually was, but it was pretty damn, damn high. And the idea that Miami can just continue to grind you down and you talk about physicality and toughness. Well, there's Jimmy Butler and PJ Tucker and... Mm. Bam out of bio, and these dudes just come at you and come at you and come at you, and they have a relentlessness in their approach, both offensively and defensively. And I also think, so I know you're high on Miami, but I also don't want to oversell it yet. I want to see no, them. No, no, I'm not trying yeah, to either. No, yeah, no. Yeah. I want to see them against a better team than Atlanta, just like I want to see Milwaukee against a better team than Chicago. Like I feel like the the advantages that they that Miami brings to really any series like their own strengths the things that they they rely on they work particularly well against Atlanta I think just like Hmm, interesting just like 
I think Milwaukee, their strengths are going to work against the Bulls as well, where the Bulls are sort of like, yeah, well, we don't have very many like front court players that are very good protecting the paint. And we have Giannis. And so, yeah, and (laughs) we have Giannis. So, right. And then even Drew Holiday, who I think physically, like like Caruso will be a guy and they do have some perimeter options to, to throw at their guards, but it's just like, okay, well still playing 10 feet and down against the bucks. Like, no man, that's not what Chicago's going to do very well. And, and, And so I'm very interested to see how they navigate the second round, especially, but I have been super impressed with those teams, particularly because they have dealt, with critical injuries to guys that if they don't make it back by like the end of the second round, you have to question what their championship probabilities actually are. The more physically dominant team kind of starting to overwhelm the team that that is weaker has been a theme throughout this, you know, these, this first round. And, but really D like, I don't know, I'm not sure we need 16 playoff teams. I'm turning into a grumpy old man on shit where it's like, so Denver, for example, Denver is Jokic and duct tape and they fought their asses off. I say all that to compliment them because that whole idea of like, oh, we just don't have the guys or we could just fold and start our vacation early. I just wanted to give a shout out to them at the end of the pod. Like they had every reason to be like, all right, time to wrap it up and they came out and they played with a lot of heart and that I just think, I don't know, I just wanted to acknowledge them. They're not going to win the series. It's probably a gentleman's sweep, but I thought Denver played with a lot of heart against uh, against Golden State today. Me as well, and Jokic is just one of those guys that he just continues yeah. to impress me. Like, he could play on my team any day, right? Because Talk about a guy who could put a team on his back, man. No, he's just so good, and the quality that he brings, like, does he have his deficiencies? Yes. Right. They started to switch everything towards the end of that game and Steph put him on skates multiple times. But he's out there working his ass off. And then he also had the critical pass for the dagger three to Will Barton that basically sealed that game for them. Right. And and so Jokic is is just one of those really elite players that the playoffs are built for a guy just like that to do exactly what he's doing. You wish for Denver's perspective that they had more of their players available in order to make this more of a fight. Right. And we didn't even talk about a lot of the Western teams like Luca came back from a calf Mm -hmm. injury and Dallas promptly lost. A game and that uh-huh. series is now two two and I'm interested to see the direction of that series and and what well, and where that goes and I'm certainly wondering if New Orleans is going to be able to hold on to this small lead um and, and make it two two in this series because the West these teams are beating each other up and Golden State looks like they're just going to win another game probably in their next one and mm. then advance to the second round and they look dangerous now. And and so I'm sure you and Mike will hit that up on the next version of yeah, I, the Laker Phil Roo podcast. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I'm not quite as high on golden state as, as everyone else is, but we shall see. All right. We'll be back tomorrow. It'll be me and Mike. Uh, but until then, been listening to Laker Phil Room podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. 
Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.